Sunset Lake CBD is a majority employee-owned hemp farm located right outside of Burlington, Vermont. Before they started growing hemp, Sunset Lake Farms produced cream for Ben & Jerry's. Sunset Lake CBD doesn't use any pesticides or herbicides to grow any of its hemp plants, and they use organic fertilizer and other sustainable farming techniques to ensure the long-term health of the soil and to minimize their carbon footprint. So like all of us, my days are really stressful. By the end of the night, my kids are in bed, I'm taking a minute to chill, but I'm still unwinding. I recently started using the Relax Gummies infused with CBD isolate, reishi mushroom extract, and ashwagandha root extract. I'm really glad I tried these because they really helped me get ready for a good night of sleep, and I really think I sleep better, so I'd highly recommend it. So check out Sunset Lake CBD today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. That's sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. Farmer-owned, Vermont-grown, Sunset Lake CBD. Hey listeners, I want to tell you about a new partner, Arostia, a new coffee roaster based in Queens. This company was created by and is run by a huge fish fan, Andy Hollander, who hasn't caught a hold your head up since 12, 15, 95, but is definitely not bitter about it. I've had this coffee and it's really great. Andy started roasting coffee during the pandemic, taught himself, and then that turned into this label, Arostia, which launched late last year. I had a bag of the Ethiopian coffee and it was gone really quickly because I liked it so much and I drank a lot of it and I need more. The beans were grown at an altitude of 2,100 meters above sea level, which contributes to a dense bean that continues to develop its flavors after the roasting process is done. The tasting notes include apple, raisin, and caramel, and there are more coffees coming very soon. So support this fan-owned business and try the coffee today. And for Osiris listeners, there's a 10% discount code on the site. Use the code OSIRIS at checkout for 10% off your order, and stay tuned for the launch of a coffee subscription. You can order and sign up for the mailing list at arostia.com. That's A-R-O-A-S-T-I-A.com. And you can find Arostia on Instagram and Facebook. Thanks, Arostia. Hey, listeners. I want to tell you about a sponsor, Music Masters Collective. They're a nonprofit organization that produces unique music events, providing opportunities for fans and artists to meet and collaborate in an inspired and creative atmosphere. Every week, they host different events, all with the opportunity to learn from world-class musicians like O'Teal Burbridge, Trouble No More, former members of the band, Milk Carton Kids, Nikki Glaspie, Bill Frizzell, Sean Colvin, and many more. This June, join the Fab Foe, Joan Osborne, John Sebastian, Marshall Crenshaw, and a great group of faculty for the debut of Magical Mystery Camp. This all-inclusive, once-in-a-lifetime music vacation experience in the heart of the Catskills will be packed with nightly performances, workshops, speakers, song circles, open mics, and a lot more. If you're a performing musician at any level, bring your instrument. If you're a music lover, bring your good spirit. It's an amazing experience for individuals, friends, and couples alike. Registration is open, spots are filling up, so check it out soon. And scholarships are available. Check out magicalmysterycamp.com slash helpingfriendly to learn more. Kush Supply Co. or Kushco is our wonderful Osiris sponsor and partner who also happens to be the largest producer of packaging products for the cannabis industry. 
As medical and recreational cannabis continue to be legalized, One Leader has emerged as the go-to company to produce state-compliant packaging for cannabis. And that's Kushco. What does that mean? States have varying laws about how marijuana can be packaged. They need to be childproof, comply with labeling requirements, and so on. Kush knows all the regulations for every state, but the packaging doesn't have to be ugly. Kushco works with producers to create their own branding on amazingly innovative boxes, tubes, bottles, and other packages so they look amazing and function extremely well. Kushco also produces vaping hardware and supplies. If you've been in a cannabis dispensary lately, you've definitely seen Kushco products. Kushco has offices in 10 states plus Canada and China. Please go to kushcosupplyco.com slash podcast to learn more about what they're up to. And we thank them again for being a wonderful Osiris partner. Helping Friendly Podcast. This is episode 150. I'm here with Brad, Matt, and Jonathan. What's up, guys? Hey, hey man. Hey. That was a nice deep intro. Thanks. Um, Brad, what did you get us for our 150th episode? <laughs> did you get us a present? Yeah, no, I got us a, uh, I got us a national park. <laughs> I'm, dedicating, <laughs> I'm dedicating a stretch of uh, I-40 <laughs> to the <laughs> Helping Friendly Podcast. That's pretty good. I mean... yeah. yeah. I was, we were texting earlier and I, I think, you know, you have to mention that this is the sesquicentennial episode. <laughs> John, Jonathan, wouldn't you say that's appropriate? Uh, I, I think if you can say sesquicentennial, it's, mm. it's always appropriate. I feel like in Virginia, you got to like have all kinds of celebrations of all kinds of things that are hundreds of years old. You know, you yeah. probably do that like every couple of weeks. Yeah. We, we trip over something and it, oh, oh look, anniversary. <laughs> um, so we're <laughs> we've been planning this episode for a little while we'll talk about what the episode's actually about at some point but guys we've 150 episodes now this does not count of course our quick hits which i think matt mm. matt the official number might be more like 230 or something with with quick hits but 249 uh, 249 uh, things that have Shh. been put out quick hits little like intro johns everything that we've ever put out is 249 wow wow so way to, sne- to sneak that philly in there with the johns and- hey man there's tons of johns we, we push out johns regularly <laughs> <laughs> we're constantly just doing johns um brad we you and i started this podcast almost six years ago june of 2013 yeah and we uh we didn't know anything about what we were doing we didn't know mm-hmm. how to do a podcast we didn't even really i mean we listened to a couple of podcasts that was the extent of our preparation you know (laughs) yeah there were no podcast networks there were no like multiple apps you could get to listen to podcasts right no i had to download it you had to download the podcast before you listen to it usually (laughs) um yeah i remember the first i'm sure we've told the story but the first episode um i had my kids ipad it had like the (laughs) bumper on it with like the with the monster bumper with like the handles and earbuds (laughs) (laughs) you know what i mean (laughs) And like in earbuds, and I was like walking around the house. Um, and we we had a little outline that I was reading from the iPad. It was really awesome. That was the first one. Wow! I remember, I remember Rachel <laughs> listening to that one. She was like, "It's pretty yeah, bad. that wasn't very good." 
She's like, she was like, maybe you guys shouldn't read like from the yeah. script. Like, yeah, oh, the scripting. Shoot. Yeah. So, so obviously we've gone in the completely opposite direction where we yeah, don't. So we, I mean, we're experienced, so it's so professional now. <laughs> <laughs> so professional because we don't write down a single word we just say what comes to our mind right, um, right. so matt you as the as the person who's been here since what it's been two or three years you, your first appearance on the podcast was i think early 2016 after mexico yeah it was the first mexico so it was almost exactly three years ago i remember there was a huge snowstorm that's right in, in yep. the DC area, and you were you were recapping your trip to Mexico, and you've uh, man, you've 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 contributed maybe the most of any of us, um, if I if I can speak for all of us in terms of making us better and more professional, and somehow okay. like more more serious and respectable. <laughs> so thank you, Matt. What's your what are your, some of your memories in terms of the last, you know, I guess almost probably fifty or so episodes, official episodes that you've been on, but over the past several years. I think um, probably like if I had to pick one episode that was really really cool and landmark that stood out, probably the Katie Turr interview uh, that we did was really big. We that was kind of a long time coming between planning it and putting it together. It was um, talking to her when she was sort of having a moment with her book coming out and everything like that was was super super exciting um, and felt like uh, a lot of like really good vindication for us as a you know semi professional outlet. Um, but I've also really, really dug the live events that we've done. It's been crazy going out and getting people to come out and, um, like being like, Oh wow, there's all these people face to face with us who know who we are and want to interact with us and stuff like that. So, um, that's, uh, that's been, that's been pretty cool. Yeah, for sure. And Jonathan, I think you, you had mentioned that too, at least in your notes, um, about the live events, but you, you first appeared on the podcast episode 33, where we talked about the, the best fish jam of all time, the Providence Bowie. And I think because you because you came on for that jam, then you kind of just stuck around and started helping. And you actually helped us. You, I remember you making similar suggestions to what Matt made, but I think in terms of like planning and organizing and like maybe planning ahead for the things we might talk about the next time. We're, anyway, that was, that was like big leaps forward as well. Well, I, I don't want to take any credit for improving this thing, but I, I've had fun working on it. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I, I, I think um, I want to reiterate, as you as you uh, alluded to, I want to reiterate what Matt said. It's like it's one of my favorite things about this has all has been the appearances, and particularly our first live appearance at American Beauty, where all four of us were there, and um, that was during Baker's Dozen, and then just having the opportunity to meet so many very nice listeners who, you know, walk up and say, Hey, you're uh, you do that thing and yeah. I like it. And I'm like, Oh, well, thank you. It's, it's, it's rad. It's rad. And they're, they've all been very nice, which is surprising considering that sometimes uh, one or two of us have polarizing opinions. <laughs> <laughs> Only Brad. Um, for the, for the, I mean, polarizing is, is, you know, I was telling someone earlier that, that, you know, this is, we're doing our 150th podcast for, uh, our fish podcast and that you could, you could watch their face just kind of like <laughs> dull. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, anyway. Did they ask you why? <laughs> no, they're just like, Oh, 
Mm, <laughs> yes, I've heard. Okay. Anyway, uh, well, one of the things I want to talk about too, RJ, was just like the the um, what's been memorable to me is is you kind of taking it to the the video live stream YouTube thing. Um, that's been really exciting too because I think that's kind of the next step, and and you've always um, kind of thought about it and um, always pushed for it, and it's a good idea, and I think it's the next. Right, it's the next podcasting, video yeah. casting. Thanks. V- Thanks, vlogging. You're a good vlogger. Thanks. I, I've, <laughs> I've always wanted to be a vlogger. Like, that's what. Uh, remember when I was in kindergarten? That was kind of like that, that. That was one of my main career nice. career choices. Right. Um, no, thanks for saying that. I think you know it's interesting, Brett. I remember recording the third episode. I think it was the third episode, which was a um, the Old Orchard Beach show from July '94. And I was in my parents' basement in Ohio, and I was recording, you know, connected to what, whatever kind of mic we were using at the time. And my parents, mm. my dad was like, what the hell are you doing? Like, you're talking to Brad <laughs> on the computer in a dark basement about fish like you guys did like 20 years ago. And I was like, yeah, it's, yeah. Like, it's like basically what we've been doing our whole life except now on the internet. But um, the the live shows have been so cool. That first one being during the baker's dozen and the fact that we were all there and tom was our guest and we had scott marks and we it was it was just man that was really cool and having people like jonathan said come up to you and tell you that they actually like what you do is 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 really gratifying um in i think it was 2015 i was in chicago with rachel and pushing miles in a stroller and uh some dude came up to me and was like hey are you are you RJ from the Helping Friendly Podcast? And I was like, yeah, man. <laughs> and he was like, I love your podcast. And it was like, I think Rachel thought that it was like a like a plant, you know? That I <laughs> like, like you're doing it for her to yeah, show off. Yeah, like <laughs> I play, like I I paid somebody to like do it, you know, ahead of time. She so told you I'm famous, babe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That was How much just did so that cool. cost you? It, it was like, you know, two seventy five when I like, talked him down a little bit, but um that was just, it's cool to, to hear people appreciating it, basically. But, Matt, the one thing, that the double tweezer episode, I think, was one of our most well-received episodes. And you spent a ton of time on that, just, you know, with the research and the everything. Um, that was, like, that level of depth and, you know, insight. I don't think we've gone there since, but maybe we should do more like that. A few more highlights that I would point out where we talk about all the time with the taper episode, which I think is around 15. Um, yeah. And um, obviously, Jonathan, you've already mentioned Tom's interview, which is around 80, 88, maybe, or something like that. Uh, the Katie Turr episode. Uh, what are some some watermarks, some landmarks um, for maybe new listeners? Nothing? Nobody? Yeah, it's just a bunch Nothing. of fish stuff. <laughs> I, I was going to say, though... Uh, you mentioned the tweezer episode and we've also mentioned meeting listeners. So when we did that tweezer episode, RJ and I went to Matt's house and I think RJ, you'd met Matt in person, but I had not. And so I was like, who is this? Who's this guy. We're going to go to his house and he's going to listen to the podcast. We're going to talk about, okay, okay, just going to go, go hang out some dude's house. Okay. (laughs) Hope he's cool. (laughs) Turns out it's just Matt. No, you guys take (laughs) your own mic. He's all right. What's that? Yeah, he br- Jonathan your, did bring his old, own mics, actually. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. Of course. He's a taper. <laughs> this is an old taper. The second part of the tweezer episode, we were in a much different state of mind than the first, than the first go around. 
that's, that's one thing that I'll about. say. You mean we're uh, in Maryland? <laughs> one thing that's really funny is Brad and I, I think since the beginning, have really tried to just like have fun and make jokes, even with guests. And I remember a few specific times <laughs> when we would, I remember two specific episodes with guests where we, our whole intention the whole time was just to make jokes and the guest was like not in, I think guests sometimes are nervous, you know, to, to, to come on a podcast. And so they're like, it's a little bit less conversational, but I, I remember one in particular where Brad and I kept making jokes and they were just not landing, which was just <laughs> making it funnier and funnier. And I had to like mute myself oh, yes. almost the whole time. And, and Brad and I had the most legendarily uncomfortable interview very early oh, on. Man. Oh man, that started when I probably asked the question a little bit too open-endedly about the person's life, and uh, man, it was a doozy. It was like it twenty took a while, twenty-seven minutes, <laughs> twenty-seven <laughs> minutes later, um, we got into this question number two, and I'll never forget that. That was probably the the biggest. <laughs> Yes. learning experience of this whole thing is, um, that, is that when you learned how to go back and edit down well, to like draft questions better i was looking sure. i was looking for like a point to cut off and it was just it was it was you know stream of consciousness from the guest and anyway don't don't start an that interview guest is now asking, way, it's pretty famous though that guest is like doing well and like relatively yeah. famous for what you know, he or she just does. don't start an interview by saying, "Tell us about your life." It's, it's just not. It's, it's not a great <laughs> so way to start an interview. Little. Yeah. <laughs> so the the one thing I would say, which should go without saying for this group of the four of us, but man, the the stuff with Tom and what that's led to with Osiris and all of us being part of such a bigger community of music fans and music podcasts, it's just been incredible. And you know, to be a little bit cliche, like just. Do, do something you're passionate about and good things will come of it, you know, especially when it comes to listening to fish or drinking beer, because I've found that drinking beers had the same effect. Yeah. And, and, and by the way, I mean, we've mentioned like people coming up to us and, and saying hi. Uh, it, don't ever, I'll, I'll, I won't speak for everybody, but I'll, I'll speak for myself. Don't ever feel shy about doing that. It's super, super cool. We're not to a level of being noticed where it's problematic. And in fact, uh, in Mexico, um, there was a moment in the middle of a show, uh, where a woman came up to me in the middle of it and she was like, Hey, I recognize you. Thank you so much for everything you do. And, uh, having that happen with my wife standing right next to me is actually mm. pretty, pretty, pretty awesome. It gets me big time, uh, points. And so you should all continue to come up to us and make us look way cooler than we are in front of our spouses. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. No, I agree with you. I think that hearing from people via email or social media or in person, yeah, the in-person yeah. stuff is just, it's cool. Because I think that I just met um, one of our listeners, Richard Nash, on the on the Metro a few days ago. He came up to me and we've like communicated with him and he just came up and introduced himself. And it was, it was really cool to meet people who, because I think everyone thinks it's like, awkward or going to be awkward or whatever but it turns out we're all just like it is for a little bit like for like the, yeah first couple yeah. seconds it's awkward but then after that medium awkward. i will say it's not going to impress my wife at all if you say something <laughs> to me in public but that's okay so i think that just to wrap this sort of section up of course the most important thing is all of you listening and giving us iTunes reviews and high fives in person and, you know, feedback and your long emails that say how much you appreciate it or when we hit you at a, a time in your life when you needed some, you know, fish. Um, 
It's really cool. That's so keep that coming. I mean, don't say those exact things if you don't really want the to. The communication but. thing, um, I want to add, and I know you're trying to wrap it up, but um, Jason from uh, the recent episode about sobriety and all that, that was his idea, right? Yeah, yep. And yep. Um, it kind of bore out of an e- just a simple email to us. So it shows that, I mean, we're not just doing this for ourselves, right? It's for everybody, obviously. Yeah, and good. We're always looking for good ideas. It's it's. I wish that we had like this really cool long, you know, list of cool ideas that we're just trying to make it our way through. We just c- cool ideas come up sometimes, but people. Bring I lost it actually. Cool. I had <laughs> one. I lost, <laughs> <fucking> lost it. <laughs> you lost it. Brad dropped it in his pool, and uh, so that's uh, too bad. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't in very good ink either. So it's just all this blue <laughs> smear on a piece of notebook paper now. Oh, it's, it's a damn shame. So, guys, happy sesquicentennial, <laughs> and um, let's, let's talk about some fish news. So, Matt, can you t- remind everybody what to do if they were at Big Cypress and want to tell us about it? Yeah, so you've heard the last couple episodes, and you've seen it on social media. Uh, if you were at Big Cypress and you want to share your story with us, we want to hear it. Um, we want to hear it in audio form. So we've gotten a whole bunch of emails with really cool written stories and, and pictures and all that kind of stuff. That's great. You should continue to share that. But what we really want is for you to record yourself uh, telling your story and uh, email that to bigcypress at osirispod.com. If we like what we hear, um, we may include part of that in our upcoming huge Big Cypress retrospective. Um, or if it's really neat, we may reach out to you and ask to do kind of more of a formal interview uh, and get some some uh, tasty nuggets out of you um, for that. So um, send that in. Doesn't matter how trivial you think it is. The more uh, we can hear from as many people as possible about what your experience was like, the better. So uh, keep those coming. We like what we got so far. Yeah, it's it, easy to it, send audio notes too, right? Like you could you can record yourself on uh, an Android or an iPhone, uh, and th- and then just like email it, and that's all we need. Right? Yeah, I mean, it doesn't have to be techy. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, just use the voice memo app on your phone. Try to make sure you're in a in a quiet environment, um, so we get a clean recording. But you know, once again, if you've got a great story and um, we think we'd like to record it in a little bit better fashion, then we'll reach out to you and we'll try to make that happen. You know, if people don't submit stuff, though, it's just going to be me talking about it. And nobody wants to hear my Big Cypress story. Yeah, exclusive fest. Right. Yeah. Jonathan had a kid with him, so his story is probably not nearly as epic as any of yours. Well, it's, it, it, we wouldn't have to put the, uh, the, uh, uh, the, the rating on it, though, so the explicit <laughs> tag on it. <laughs> so the that as Matt mentioned, that's going to be a multi-part podcast extravaganza that's going to come out uh, later, later this year. So please send us all your all your thoughts. The oh Mexico. So Matt was actually in Mexico seeing fish last week, and if you all missed our quick hits, um, we did too. They just passed us by while Matt was on the beach, and the rest of us were doing things but matt was a guest on beyond the pond which i think by the time this comes out beyond the pond will will be out so if you want to hear matt's horrible fish opinions you can you can tune into <laughs> beyond the pond yes uh los opinions terribles or something like that uh yeah we took we we took the quick hit and we um 
uh, in the spirit of going cross borders, uh, did that over on Beyond the Pond. That's that's coming out today as well. Ooh, so like you can listen nice. to that. Uh, I believe it's today or maybe yesterday when you're hearing this. Um, we talked to Brian and Dave about Mexico and what that was like. And then in true Beyond the Pond fashion, they um, took that and ran with it and talked about uh, some other stuff that you might want to hear if you liked those Mexico shows. So go out, go ahead and, and dig that. And if you're not already listening to Beyond the Pond, you should be because those guys are absolutely killing it. If they didn't mention Enrique or Julio Iglesias, I'm not fucking, <laughs> not fucking listening to it. <laughs> I really like the idea that they had to to kind of extrapolate for this episode. So I'm 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 looking forward to listening to it. It's a cool idea. So everyone check it out. If you are in the Washington D.C. region and you're going to the Mike Gordon show in D.C., like Matt, Jonathan, and I are on March fifteenth. Um, after that show there's going to be a uh, an after party show with the last rewind which is a fish cover band uh david who's who's uh i think the the principal sort of creator of that band he's a fan of ours and a listener and and asked us to get the word out that they're playing an after show at the velvet lounge um 11:30 after the mic show so if you're into listening to awesome music after the mike gordon show in dc go check them out at the velvet lounge um, anything else in fish news? Is there like rec- a bunch of records came out or videos, <laughs> VHS releases, beta, anything like that? Ray's on tour soon. That's, all, that's on the tour. only thing I would add. Is yep. that the, the ghosts of the forest? Ghosts of the forest. As I alluded to earlier at the beginning of the episode when we were doing our retrospective, which I hope was accompanied by sentimental music, um, I mentioned Osiris yeah, and... As you know, we're part of that network. I want to say that one of our podcasts, Female Centrics, the only female hosted podcast on in the entire Osiris network, um, they're celebrating in the entire world actually on fish at least, at least yeah. on fish. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. They're celebrating their their one year anniversary this month, and it's cool. They've they came. She Dawn created this with you know a really cool idea and and engaged a ton of people, and they're growing and having fun. And so, congratulations to to Dawn and her team. Has it really been a year? That's awesome. I like that. I show. know. Mm-hmm. I know. Yeah. They, Cyrus has been around for a year. We've been around for a year. A lot of people have been around for a year. Broke down <laughs> podcast has been around for two years, more than a year. Yeah. Two years. Actually the Twitter account had its two year anniversary two just year. the other day. One thing, wow. um, Jonathan, when we were talking about the kind of last, the history of the podcast, it's cool that you kind of got some, experience doing this and then it led to an entirely new idea that you or or at least i don't know if it led to to the idea but at least like made you comfortable with doing your own podcast which is so yeah. cool yeah that's been fun uh, i i quite enjoy it and i guess i could say thank you guys no thank you <laughs> thank you for bringing grateful dead music to our ears and discussion and discussion that that interview you did with Bill Payne from Little Feet, I thought was really cool. Cool, thank you. He made it easy. He's a he's he's awesome. Actually, he was he repeated your name a bunch of times, which made me think that he was actually like paying attention in the interview and interested, which is cool. You know, like yeah. it's cool it to might hear be his trick to remember. It might be, right? but it, that's yeah. a cool. Like I, I texted Jonathan that it's a, like interviews where the the person who's being interviewed is actually enjoying it are like so much more fun to listen to. Yeah. Where it doesn't feel like an obligation where they're just running through questions. So um, 
Female Centric's Dawn interviewed Carl Gerhardt, um, I don't know, four months ago or something. People should check out that interview. That was really cool. And he talked about the whole history of the giant country horns and the suits and all kinds of cool fish uh, stories and history. So if you haven't listened to that, go back to that and congrats to Dawn. There's also like many, many other Osiris podcasts who are all doing cool stuff. And um, the week after this, you hear this, there'll be a new Osiris original podcast coming out that's going to kind of highlight music news and, and music what's going on in the music world so watch out for that okay guys should we do an actual episode or should we just kind of talk and then see what happens i think this has been pretty good yeah i gotta, <laughs> I gotta go <laughs> my arm's actually hurting from patting ourselves on the back <laughs> oh, is that what it was <laughs> my arm actually is hurting from pushing this broken stroller today i was pushing my twins to the um, natural history museum and i left this stro- broken stroller next to a trash can on the national mall so <laughs> if you happen to be driving down the, on the national mall and see a stroller tomorrow that's mine okay guys <laughs> this this week 10 years from when fish came back in 2009 it's incredible that it's been 10 years and that they're still yeah. fucking playing so that's what we're going to talk about, Matt. As the as the person who saw fish in what two thousand three for the first time, when you saw them in two thousand nine, did you think that ten years later you'd still be seeing fish? Honestly, no. I um, probably because of my experience in the starts and stops and seeing them, and you know, finally getting to see them in two thousand three after years of being a fan and them not being around, I had this sort of like, I don't know if you'd call it PTSD or something, you know, conditioning or something like that, that like, I was like, they're going to come back for like two or three years and then they're just going to go away again. This is going to happen. So I saw a lot of shows in those first couple of years of 3.0 because I was just seriously making up for lost time. Yeah. I didn't think I didn't, I thought it was going to be, yeah, a couple of year thing. Brad, what about you? I don't know. I haven't thought about that question. Uh, it's, um, I think I'm more along the lines of, I can't believe that they're back and still going. And it seems like at this point we kind of take it for granted, but in 2010, you were like, Oh sweet. Another tour is planned. Yeah. Right? <laughs> right, right. So right. like, it wasn't really looking like ahead. And I think that relates to what Matt was saying that used to the start and stop from, you know, 2000 until 2004 or whatever. So, um, yeah, not, not too sure. And not coincidentally at all, summer 2013, when we launched this podcast is really when 3.0, I think yeah. started, you know, becoming solidified. And I, I think that's mostly because of the podcast, but Jonathan, yeah. Jonathan, you think about it, <laughs> that's, that's when uh, 3.0 became president. Exactly. So, Jonathan, you heard the the Mike Gordon interviews on under the scales recently, and Mike talked a lot about his side projects and and what he did during that hiatus. And Trey obviously went through his whole thing. What I guess, like I, I was thinking about, just how many things had to come together and actually work for them to be able to even come back in two thousand nine to to Hampton, but just all the different musical influences and side projects and things they were doing all kind of put on hold a little bit to, to go back to fish. I mean, Mike talked a little bit about that, but just curious for your take on like your perspective on how that all came back together. Mike, Mike has, uh, Mike is ever since fish has returned. He's really, 
been more, seemed to be more comfortable talking about his side projects and thinking of fish more of his, you know, those are his main things and fish as his side project, the thing that pays all the bills or whatever it is, you know, whatever. I don't, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but um, that's just what I perceive from mm-hmm. a number of interviews. Whereas Trey, it's all, it's all the work. It's all the work. Fish is one of the great joys, the brotherhood with the band, the connection with the audience. It's one of the core pieces, but it's all it's all just what he does. Paige, mm-hmm. I think Paige likes to hang out at home mm-hmm. uh, in between. I, although there's still rumors of a new Vita Blue thing, but nothing's really come to light. And Fish, you know, he's 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 the man now. He's he's in government, so therefore he's the enemy. <laughs> but um, nah. Yeah. So, He's so mobile, I, actually, I, I, think, I don't, I don't really know if I'm answering your your question, RJ. But to me, it just seemed like once Trey had his head straight, it could happen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and God, so I was so glad it did. And uh, you know, I, I I'll might say more about this later. But when we were after the announcement, we Trey did a little tour a little classic tab tour that fall of 2008 and he played in richmond and i went with a bunch of friends and it was it was great and trey was so excited he was talking about hampton he's like well we just want to just drive down there and camp until march you know and (laughs) uh, i mean he was he was amped for it to happen and we all were too i want to say something to um i was listening to some 06 tab shows um and even some earlier ones, there's some chatter on Twitter last month just about them. And um, so I was going back. But anyway, it, it, it kind of took me back to 06 and, and Trey was arrested in December of 06. And then he played shows after that in late December of 06. And if you listen to those shows and they're not terrible, but if you listen to enough fish and, and Trey, they're bad and you can hear it from him. And I think at that point, I'm thinking, or, you know, while, while listening, I'm thinking like, man, this doesn't, he just doesn't sound healthy. It sounds like it's it's not what you know or what you want. Um, and to think that two, basically two years later, they're back full blower fish. Um, it's a, it's a huge testament to a turnaround he made, I think in his own life. Uh, and, you know, I don't, we don't need to toot Trey's horn because, um, whatever. I mean, he's, he stands on his own, but it, it, it's really awesome. Um, and that was just the past couple of weeks or two that I've done that. So um, it's great that we're back and it's 10 years later, even after that. But anyway, yeah, hole, so. no, it's a good point. I, that was something I was thinking about. Like we've learned so much more about Trey's journey just in the past year, I think, you know, just on interviews and his, him talking about it, that I think when they came back, I think we all knew that he was newly sober, but like, like millions of rock stars who knows right like it could have just right. maybe it was going to go back or maybe it was going to you know i don't think we knew that the extent and dedication that he had um that we've learned about recently like through the serious interviews and lots of other stuff um and i, I feel like we can talk about it in the actual sh- like show discussion but i was lis- listening back to these shows there's a totally different sound from 2004 and maybe that seems obvious because of all the things we've already talked about and just the fact that they've evolved, but it doesn't sound anything like 2.0. And do you guys, Matt, do you think that that's because 
of like a fresh start sort of thing. Like you, you, even the effects and just like the sound is just so different. I think at that point, one of the things that they seemed to be doing was to take a step back and get back to a version of the band that they had been previously. Hmm. Um, you know, remember they changed the stage layout back to what it had been in some of the classic years. Mm-hmm. Trey did things like he brought his um, two by 12 speaker cabinets back that he hadn't used for years that kind of created the visual aesthetic of that he had had in the, in previous years. Um, he brought back the Ross compressor after, you know, fans gifted it to them. Um, even the lighting rig, uh, it used more modern lights, but it's, it was seemed to kind of replicate what the lighting rig looked like circa 97, 98. Um, so there's, I think they were consciously trying to go back to something that was sort of pleasing for the fans and felt comfortable. But at the same time, they were five years removed from what they had done before. Um, you know, they hadn't been playing together. So there was definite cobwebs that took several years to shake off. Um, so you had kind of a different thing as well as probably a different reason for making music. I mean, these weren't guys that were trying to go out and, you know, set the world on fire and prove who they were anymore. They were trying to redeem themselves. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. And I hadn't thought about that with the lights and the, and the sound in that way, but there's, and there's not a lot of, there's like the, well, we can talk about when we get in, there's a few things that you start to hear in 3.0 that come up in these shows in terms of their sound, but it is a, yeah, sort of a fresh start, but, but maybe, yeah, going back to a time when it was a little bit more, more, uh, yeah, simpler times. Because, <laughs> um, you know, 97 was very, it was very simple back then for them. So, Jonathan, I know, I think you you were there at the Hampton yes. shows the first night. Brad and I were there together. Um, we were there all three nights. Were you there all three nights, Jonathan? Yes, I was. Matt? Yep. Okay, so we were all, that's so cool that we were all there. Um, mm-hmm. Jonathan, what was your... What was it like for you going in that first night? You know, this was, I've been to a a few big shows, like quote-unquote big shows, if you will. Um, This was probably the most most significant, the biggest deal of them all. Um, We had a a huge crew of good friends, some of whom I had never seen fish with before because... We had become friends in the years since, you know, in the five years since Fish uh, had split up, some of whom I had been seeing shows with forever. My my brother Joel was back. He's not my biological brother, but he's my brother. And uh, he had (laughs) flown out for the shows from, you know, exile in the Midwest. And, you know, we had we just it was great to have that. First of all, we had all those people together. I think everybody had a similar experience and you guys had each other and probably a few of other people that you'd seen shows with over the, over the years. And Matt, you probably did the same. And, and so the vibe was amazing outside. The weather was pretty good for Mm -hmm. March and, Mm -hmm. um, walking into the first night, somebody offered me a thousand dollars cash for my ticket. I said, thousand dollars. He's like, yeah, man. I said, show me. He pulls out a wad of hundreds and fans them out. And I was like, one, two, three. I was like, nah, nah. There's no way, no amount of money would I have given up that ticket. Um, so I said, good luck. And I, he, he might have got one. Might have got one. But not for me. And 
Yeah, it was it was true. We posted up behind, kind of right on the rail behind Paige, and so we could see him and every you know perfect spot. I'm a behind the stage guy, so it was perfect spot for my team to watch this show. And holy cow, you know, I, do I get into the music now, or are we just talking about the scene? Because I could go there, or we could send it around the room a little bit. It's all, it's all you, man. Yeah. I think you should go. <laughs> well, okay, go. so uh, obviously Fluffhead opens, and we had not guessed it. So, in fact, on the Week for Pog Fish Forum, we had a pool, uh, pool going for the, for the opener. And there were... I don't know how many people, 30, 40 people, I don't know, a huge group of people in the pool. Nobody picked Fluffhead because it was all but unimaginable. Like, yeah, really? Yeah. Fluffhead? Mike said no. <laughs> Why is Mike, mm. you know, that, that wasn't going to happen. They're not going to start with Fluffhead. They're going to start with, like, Chalk Dust, you know? That's an opener. Uh, no, they started with Fluffhead, it was, and it was amazing. I don't, it, what, I'm not saying it was perfect, but it was amazing. It was it was it was probably the best played fluffhead of 3.0. There you go. You know. And, <laughs> and then, going back, I think in, in if we're talking about the music just generally from from my above it's not as bad as you think it is. It's not any <laughs> it, it's not type 2. Well, you know what I mean? Like yeah, these no, shows yeah. don't we're gonna, that's these what shows we're going to say no credence. These shows get no credence. But um it, it, the the fluffhead is probably the best played of 3.0. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Like it's so. Yeah, the, it, it nothing gets deep. Nothing, nothing. You know, certainly not on this walk, first night. But, right. But yeah. Then they then the uh, div- divided sky that followed it was. I was overwhelmed. Mm. Uh, yeah. I I, I want to specifically shout out uh, Pie Guy and Birdman who got those seats for us, and they're they sound like ridiculous names, but these are amazing. <laughs> totally people. ridiculous. You have rapper um, friends. What are you in the you in the mafia? <laughs> yeah. Well, so Dave Johnny wore this shirt and, that said "I Heart Pie." Squee was Squee there. <laughs> Squee was there doing keg stands in the parking lot, <laughs> and um, mom was in the station wagon. And uh, these are these are like internet handles, you know. I mean, we all have real names, but that's for them to know. Uh, anyways, they got us great seats, and these guys have been my brothers ever since so we had just an outstanding outstanding time through the whole run i will spare you you know talking about these people anymore but um yeah so you know it was just so many songs so many freaking songs that first set and um and we had some little micro hashtag micro jams in stash (laughs) and in the bowie um old school you know okie pa susie uh just you know, a lot of rock and roll. It was great. So good. So, so long. So, Matt, that first set is almost two hours long. So, we were talking about, you know, like, what we thought was going to happen and expectations and changing and stuff like that. And first off, just to, to take a step back in terms of, like, the, the like getting into the show and everything like that, it was one of the, still to this day, one of the greatest scenes I've ever witnessed or been a part of, like... You know, for people that weren't there or weren't fans at that point, A, they announced the shows like so much longer than 
you know, but we usually have, like people think it's a long time when like you announce, you know, summer tour in like February and you've got to wait until June or July for shows. Like they announced the reunion. I believe it was at the end of August, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, in 2008 really, or, yeah, very, or very early summer. September. And then the show, the shows went on sale in October and then we had to wait until March. So, I mean, it was a good five months between, um, that and, and, you know, we had known about tickets. The ticket situation was the most insane ever and mm. probably will never come anywhere close to that again. Um, so, you know, I mean, those Great. of us that got tickets for face were extremely lucky. Um, that was like the typical, you know, I think I, I, if I'm remembering correctly, I got all of mine through lottery, but I think I had put it, had like 20 different people who weren't fans put in lottery entries for me or something like that. I mean, mm. it was just like, it was insane. Um, getting hotel rooms in within the Hampton Roads vicinity <laughs> was insane. People were, people were trying to tr- like buy hotel room reservations off of each other. Right. But then like, once you got there, you know, the whole area out in front, the fountain had that um, block man in it. Um, mm-hmm. There was it Robots. was all all decorated. There was guys like rowing a ro- face, rowboat yeah. around in the fountain, and they had like the, that like red fluffy stuff up in the trees. And because it was such a big deal, like there wasn't really much of a shakedown because everybody just went and got in line to get in. And we were v- pretty close to the front of the line, but I remember looking back along that walkway that runs away from the Coliseum, and it was just people as far as you could see. Well, they did have one lot. It was the H2O lot. It was off, uh, not at the adjacent down the walkway parking lot, but it was off the other side where there was kind of full-blown shakedown. But it was, you had to cross a street. It wasn't the convention center lot. It was across from that. Um, and But they did, they had full-blown shakedown there. Okay. But that was it. I never they even were made very, it down there, yeah. Uh, kind of restricted and they funneled all the people who showed up early for vending over to that uh, yeah. that lot. But not but not your typical thing where everybody waits until, you know, ticket time and then tries to go in at that point. I mean, people no. are like I mean, when the doors open, the place filled up immediately. Absolutely. Um and then you get inside and instead of the house lights, they've got these enormous balls hanging all around the ceiling with a, a lighting rig in the center of the ceiling around the scoreboard, lighting them up. Mm-hmm. That was providing like the illumination for the room. So it had this eerie orange glow when you were inside. And then they of course used all those balls to great effect in all the lighting and everything like that. In terms of the, um, the opener Fluffhead, I, it's funny. I had been saying to people like for months, I was like, it's going to be Fluffhead. It's going to be Fluffhead. Knowing in the back of my mind, there's you. absolutely no way it's going to happen. And when people would say like, oh, come on, that's not really going to happen. I'd be like, no, that's that's the dream. That's the ultimate opener that they could play. And if they want to show us that they're serious, then they'll open with Fluffhead. But there's no fucking way it's ever going to happen. Um, and then they, they opened with it. And probably, I mean, to this day, the loudest thing I've ever heard when they, not even when the lights went down, but when they played the, when Trey played the first notes of Fluffhead, the sound inside Mm. that room was just deafening.
Yeah. It was awesome. My, f- my friend Tim was punching me on the arm repeatedly, like at the beginning of Fluffhead, and not like didn't stop for a while until I was like, dude, can you stop punching me? I'm just so, <laughs> so excited. Um, the, in terms of the, you mentioned the Mike saying no thing, Jonathan. So for people who don't know, maybe everybody knows this, but they hadn't played Fluffhead since fall of 2000, right? And in 2003 at it, at, at some point, the crowd was chanting, and Mike and Trey went and talked and, and Trey came back and said, Mike said no. When in reality, I think it was that Trey like was like, I can't, there's, there's no way we can play that song right now. Right. Mm-hmm. But, or maybe it was Mike who made it clear that no, Trey, there's no way we can play this song right now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Either Mike way. told Trey he couldn't. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. We so, don't know. He but. didn't say in the, he didn't say Mike said no, because I can't play it. He just said, Mike said no. So <laughs> right. we'll never know. But they came back and yeah, you're right. It was such a great statement. What a long yeah. set. I don't remember it being that long. Like this. It's two first sets. sets that long. I think yeah. if, uh, Susie <laughs> ends the first, first set. And then farmhouse to Bowie is the second first yeah, set. That's true. That could be too <laughs> right? sad. We there it was a certain right. there was a certain point probably around Water in the Sky where I started thinking like, man, maybe they're just maybe this is the newer fish. Like they're just not going to play two sets anymore because I mean yeah, you're you closing in yeah. on two hours in this first set. I mean this whole thing. I mean they came on just after eight o'clock and they played until like almost one thirty in the morning. I mean, it was a long show. It was like a new year's Eve length show and it was a tip, you know, quote unquote, regular two set show. Yeah. We were definitely thinking the same thing during that first set after a while. It was like, wait, another song are they, mm-hmm. are they not, we don't do set breaks now. I mean, <laughs> I, I was tired. I'm, <laughs> I was mm-hmm. like this. I, I didn't stop dancing, but Holy shit. I could use a break guys. <laughs> so the 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 playing in the in the shows is good like they were practiced they were pretty yeah. well practiced right yes yeah. it was like, tight it's it's interesting because you hear like the the criticisms of of 3.0 being you know that there's just like a lot of flubs and a, not a lot of attention played to the compositions but they had obviously been practicing and spending a lot of time with this stuff yeah i think at this point it, w- it was more like they're just playing a lot of songs. They're not jamming. They're playing them really well. They were obviously very, very well rehearsed. Um, but, you know, once again, to make a comparison to going back to something from earlier days, um, there was, you know, these were kind of almost more like 91, 92 kind of shows, just playing a lot of songs, play them, playing them really, really, really well. There's some songs that have some degree of like type one jamming, um, but they're just going to rip through a ton of songs. And there's one thing I, I wanted to mention that I actually wanted to mention before we, we got into the first show. Cause like a handful of different times on, on various episodes. And so it's kind of cool that this is our 150th episode to bring this up. I've referenced this quote that, um, from, there was a, a, a New York times piece that came out like the day mm. before the first show that was like the first interview with fish uh, written by John Perales, who's a, an amazing uh, music writer uh, leads music writing for the New York times. We should link to this from the show notes. Um, but the, this quote from Trey has stuck to me and it's funny because like thinking about the way that things were in the world in 2009, that this was so appropriate. And if you think about, you know, did you think it was going to be this way 10 years later? And it's even more appropriate. Um, you know, Trey was talking about the intention for coming back and everything like that. And the, the, 
the paragraph here, if you, if you, that always sticks in my mind is he said, um, the, the piece says, uh, he also has another mission in mind. Um, as a longtime fan of depression era swing bands, he has been thinking about Fish's role in the current recession. And Trey's quote begins, for people in hard times, we can play long shows of fear pure physical pleasure. They come to dance and forget their troubles. It's like a service commitment. Uh, hmm. And that, I mean, I think that's that's like a mission statement for 3.0 and that stuck with me. And I think, I think it really definitely started that night with this marathon show to sort of bring everybody back hmm. into it. Wow. That's cool. Yeah, we should definitely link to that. I remember when it came is that out. This, yeah, is that the same article? I was just thinking about it too, man. It's pretty funny. But um, that where he talks about 80 songs played or 80 originals or was that after I think that was I think I think that was afterwards but yeah he was the review after when they yeah. they were like they played 80 80 plus yeah. originals or 80 you know what I mean yep. and that's that's ins- that's insane too to think about three nights with 80 songs <laughs> right like oh man anyway so i guess i would argue that the this era starts in the second set with the first uh first backwards down the number line to open the the second set which you know, listening back to it, it was a little bit of a different intro than than what you hear today. But it was like quiet; people were confused, and I feel like that that's still what happens when they when they play it. But um, <laughs> you know, I'm a I'm a defender of the song. So the first version is important, and that I think everyone knows the importance of this song in terms of just fish history um, and and why it's important. Do, does everyone already know that? Yeah, we know that. But I, I would say I that so. Um, the uh, so yes, this is where we first got three point out. But at the same time, <laughs> like I, you know, I had seen the song at, on the trade tour that I mentioned earlier at the trade show, and it was amazing. It was yeah. so good at that show that when, uh, albeit after the initial kind of awkward beginning, when when he started playing it at this show. You know, I was like, oh, this song, I love this song. This song is so good. Can't wait for the end part because the, the rave up at the end had been so good on the classic tab tour. Mm-hmm. And uh, this one, it was different. It was arranged differently, but because it's fish. But it, I thought it was great. It has a nice, really uh, uplifting solo on it. I think it worked pretty well. And then they play Tweezer. Yeah. And you can hear, you can definitely hear the crowd like, when they drop it to the jam, you can hear the crowd like have a collective cheer of just like, okay, cool. This is when we, this is when we jam tweezer, just like back in the day. It's cool to yeah. hear people come to a collective realization like, oh, cool. We're still doing tweezer. Great. The, uh, I feel like a lot of these jams the first night were just really, they had a real soulful, positive feel to them, even though, you know, not a lot of super long jams, but really like, this was a better show, I thought, going back to it than I had maybe given it credit for. Um, but I agree maybe with that's that. just me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. At, at some point in theme, or maybe at the end of theme, you can hear Trey say, "What?" I think it's Trey saying, "What time is it?" I think they. <laughs> yeah. Like, he's just like, "Let's just keep playing. We'll just play like a hundred more songs." And then, man, there's so many songs in this second set too, especially a very long, yeah. you know closer but matt what what, do you have any highlights from this set in terms of the music you know the tweezer um which is kind of a standardish uh tweezer um doesn't really go type two or anything like that it's pretty pretty linear in its trajectory with a nice drop into taste 
I loved the uh, the Harry Hood when um, Kuroda turned on. He had all of these little spinning disco balls that were like illuminated from the inside. Um, that were hung all over the venue and he turned out all the lights and it just, the entire inside of the venue looked like a giant disco ball. Um, that was, that was really neat. Um, I think, you know, when I, when I look at this show, it's easy to be critical of it because there's no jams and stuff like that. But this show is still gets four stars for me because it's, um, just the intangibles and that may be tough to to describe to people who weren't there or who weren't fans at the time, but it was just such a big deal. And, and, you know, I mean, people may sound jaded about it now, but nobody left that building feeling on less than, less than cloud nine. I mean, we're just so happy to have them back. Oh yeah. I agree. So they they close the the hood is is really nice and they close the uh, the set with you enjoy myself. Um, wasn't that? But wasn't there a start stop or, or or they restarted it? Didn't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it was yeah. kind of like the um, uh, there's a nod to like O three or some people were saying maybe it was you enjoy myself 03. at O three. Yeah, I don't I don't know if I yeah, I know yeah. people were saying that a lot at the time uh, that it was like a sick joke that they restarted it because the last time they yeah. played it at Hampton they restarted it. Yeah. I just think they fucked it up. <laughs> right, but again they fucked it up back then too, yeah. didn't they? Yeah, so it's, like, <laughs> yeah, it's exactly. tricky. You ever yeah. play that? It's tricky. Yeah, I did. No, <laughs> well, I haven't. Brad's Brad plays it. You play that all the time. Yeah, it's a ukulele though. It's not as bad. Well, not as hard. Action's a little smaller, smaller scale. <laughs> the uh, I think one. I don't think people really notice grind these days, or, or maybe some people do. I, I don't usually, but this uh, the encore. I think this is the second time they've played that song. So this is the first time we heard that after uh, twelve thirty ninety eight. So that's kind of cool. And they, I think someone got the numbers. Someone forgot their numbers or something. They were just having fun. But at this point in the night, like after 600 songs, like whatever, you know, <laughs> you mess up the number, you know, one number off. So it was 599 songs. 500. Exactly. See, this is what happens. Number off. <laughs> this is what happens. So we go to the next night, Saturday, March 7th. I think according to fish.net, this is the sort of lower, lower rated of the, or the fishnet reviews, the lowest rated of the three. But, um, again, they like hit, hit the ground running with some, a lot of songs. And that, again, the first set, very songy in that there's millions of songs. <laughs> I think that this is, is I entirely accurate. I couldn't get into this one. No? This is the one I, I didn't go to. Yeah. Um, uh, RJ, you may remember, like, I do remember. I, I did not have a thousand dollars in my pocket and I was not going to pay $500. And, um, uh, our friend Chris Hedge and, and me didn't have a ticket. I got Friday and Sundays through the lottery. Yeah. Didn't have a Saturday, but, and I didn't end up getting one. We had a good time anyway. We went, you know, we went to the Hooters, went to the Applebee's, (laughs) (laughs) the whole thing. But, um, I'm sad I missed it, but I'm glad it might be one of the reasons that it's so rated so poorly on fishnet because, (laughs) Because you weren't there. Yeah, thanks. I think you gave me uh, one of the Fridays and probably a Sunday, so thanks. Yeah, I hope I did. I hope I got you back. Um, Matt, you haven't. (laughs) Matt or Jonathan, (laughs) do you guys have any highlights from this first set? Because one thing I just want to say is that throughout the whole first set on the soundboard, at least, you can just hear a guy yelling, tube, after every song. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I totally get it, you know? I think I've been there, but just don't do that. Just don't, like, that's annoying. Um, Hold on, RJ, 98 Hampton, we've talked about it probably. 
uh, November '98, you wrote tube on the inside of a 12 pack as like yes. a, your sign, yep. which is like, um, RJ, it's not very big, dude. It's like the inside <laughs> of the side of a 12 pack, right? He's like, no, but I'm making a sign, bro. And then, and so we took it in and uh, we, we Hampton GA, you know, went to the floor, went to the rail. Um, and then they played tube. We were only so, 19 years old, dude. Tell that guy <laughs> to just make it, make a sign. Exactly. Dude, make Jesus a sign. Christ. Anyway, right. <laughs> they didn't play tube, but Matt, Matt or Jonathan, any, any, any highlights from this set for you guys? I would agree. Probably the, the this is the low point of the three nights. Um, there's not as like in the, in the first and third nights, there's something that you can look towards if you want to jam as a jam. This is, uh, this is just a lot of songs and they run through them real fast, uh, in succession. But, you know, if you look at it as, uh, you know, getting as many songs, uh, is possible because you haven't seen any of them in five years and they definitely accomplished that. And I don't think anything's poorly played or anything like that. Um, this was the night for me, the, the, the way I look at it, I was in up in the seats the first and third night, but I was down on the floor and pretty close this night and just, uh, you know, having my mind blown, you know, by being that close to the band once again, after, after so much time off, Jonathan, what'd you think? Uh, well, I, I'm not going to say tell you I hated anything, um, and I don't even know. I don't really have spoiler, the perspective to alert. be able to see. Yeah, sorry. I don't have the perspective <laughs> to say this is the the low night of the weekend or whatever. I was. We sat on Page side a little further back and had a great view, and we could people who watched the lights could watch the lights. We had a good crew around us. It was slowly our we're growing. You know, more people coming those together. Odd, those oddballs who go to fish concerts to look at the lights. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. There's people do it, I hear. Um, <laughs> yeah, I dance with that. If I open my eyes, I get dizzy and fall down. So it, just don't do that. Uh, but, you know, it was at this point, you know, we were like, well, what, what's left? I mean, they played so many songs last night and so many of the big heavy hitters that, okay. And so we were all scrambling to figure out what was left. And I, I will say uh, during this run, I did something that I, I haven't probably haven't done since, which... We weren't on Twitter, but I was posting to the Metfish board that I was on, the Week for Pog message board, as they played the songs. And I was just, boom, here's the song. And they, people were following along as it happened on the board. And uh, it was a little bit faster than the uh, interns on from the road because they didn't know, they mm. don't know these songs because they're all probably young kids and never seen fish before. You're beating them? Yeah, but... Um, <laughs> But I don't do that anymore, thank God. I just put my phone in my pocket. But this so, set, this first set has 15 songs. I sat and counted them earlier. I was like, what the hell? But it's uh, it was it's good. There's there's micro jams on Melt and Reba and the Antelope and and in the second set we have Rock and Roll and Ghost. They're not none of them are exceedingly or particularly long. There's a barely I don't think. You know, the antelope doesn't really go type two or anything. And the melt, yeah, only because it's melt and it's kind of gets out, but it barely. Ghost, same thing. It just kind of starts to go out. Rock and roll gets a little out, I think, but not too long. And then they just drop back out of it into the next thing. And um, it's, it's a fun show. So I, I, I ghost is a highlight. Too. Sorry, go ahead. I love, no, that. I, I, love the, I love that ghost. I agree with you. I think the ghost is a highlight. The antelope, though, is really intense. So I had a lot of fun with that. Uh, revisiting that one. Um, hmm. The Mike's Groove is probably the flattest Mike's Groove and doesn't really take me there. 
I'll take you there. Jonathan, I have a good um, trademark attorney I know in, just in terms of micro gems, just getting it, getting it, you know. Hook them up. Yeah, getting it up. trademarked or copyrighted or something. Like you got to, you got to nail that down before they, before they come for you. You know what I'm saying? Uh, or the man, right the man takes it. <laughs> so, so the, I thought the, yeah, I agree. I thought the ghost was the kind of the highlight of the show. Did you guys, um, I guess in terms of the the melt, like I thought that was actually you said it went out there a little bit, Jonathan. I thought that was like the, one of the most, yeah, experimental jams of the weekend, which is cool that it was melt, but it but it but it wasn't. It didn't go super far out there. Yeah, you know they 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 pushed it and then they pulled it right back. It doesn't go off the rails or anything. And uh, fourth song of the first set, so yeah. So Matt, do you yeah. think do you think that they were pretty nervous? I think yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if like nervous is the way we describe. And of course, anything that we say is just sort of like you know, um, completely guessing and, and making shit up. But I would say like maybe the something that you could you know posit about it was like getting their sea legs under them again, and you know, probably they 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 probably felt like they had to rehearse a lot of the songs because they hadn't played them for so long and they couldn't just show up and play. And if you're going to play, you know, rehearse songs, then you might as well play them. Um, so they were just trying to get through a lot of, a lot of stuff, you know? Yeah. I yeah. think that's pretty accurate. They, they pound through so many songs and the ones that you expect to open up, some of them really just, they start to just a little, and they pull it back before things fall apart and they finish the songs and and it's good, but it takes them a couple shows to really really open up. We'll get to that though. Yeah. So let's let's talk about opening up before we get to night three. And that is I, I didn't make it to night two as I as I told everyone already and, and my friend Chris and I were back at the hotel room, which was probably the the third grossest worst hotel room i've ever stayed in my life i mean it was fucking terrible like it was terrible what were Four your dudes um, yeah, but now we need to know what the top two are yeah i want to know one oh, or the, two, <laughs> so number one uh well these are interchangeable i guess one or two one a one b there's a, there's a hotel in in hell's kitchen that also the same dude oh, chris man. i'm talking about i stayed in it was I, the, I there was like a one with you yeah that was that there was, was a shared horrible. There was a shared bathroom, oh, and there man. was like a drug addict in the bathroom. Remember that? Was, that? He was, that like was sleeping actually, on it. That was actually was, a really scary place. It was. It was terrible. I think I've stayed in that hotel. There, there <laughs> was bulletproof glass, like for real bulletproof glass that you had to pay through. Yeah. Brad, Brad and I and, both slept then, with our clothes on on top of the blankets, <laughs> on top of the on top of the covers. Yeah, on top of. The and covers. we woke up, and our friend Chris was like all up in the bed, like <laughs> sleeping, like, <laughs> underwear only. We're like, dude, what are you doing? Anyway, so. And then the, the, the one B or one A was um, my my wife and I stayed a place outside of Nashville, um, where it was sketchy. And then we walked back, and there was a a one legged dude in the hallway asking for money, <laughs> like for like like he was like panhandling in the hallway of the place, and it was it was real bad. So <laughs> um, uh, it was bad. Anyway, so so night three, 16, 16 songs in the first set again. How many? Incredible. 16. Wow. Insane. So, Matt, what what did you like about this set? Sanity. 
I liked I liked the third the third show maybe I like I liked overall the best. Um, the first night had the excitement and the fluff head and stuff like that. Third night they seemed to be the most together and the most adventurous, probably comfortable on stage. The um, the sanity opener was awesome. There was a um, so we mentioned the balls hanging from the ceiling earlier. Each night they had found a point in the show to like towards the end to drop the balls onto the audience so that they were kind of like, you know, getting volleyed around happened during bouncing around the room, um, the first night. And, um, I think, uh, maybe it happened during like character zero the second night, but they, the third night during sanity, when Trey sang, I don't care if the world explodes, the band stopped playing and one of the balloons in the back of the ceiling exploded. (laughs) Um, it was like a really, really great visual gag. Uh, and they went into Wilson Mm -hmm. from there and it was kind of got the, the crowd going. Um, we had a great time this night. There was somebody, a guy that we met who I haven't seen him in a while, but I still used to see him on tour a lot, um, who sort of orchestrated our entire section of Hampton Coliseum, like hanging out together and partying. And it was, um, it was really great. So it was one of those nights where like we went in with like five people. And by the end of the night, we were literally hanging out with like 40 people all at the same time. It was, it was a good time. So we had a lot of fun that night. It was a very celebratory mood. Um, and I think the disease, from the set two of this night is probably the musical highlight. Um, the one time that they really did go type two in the second half of it, it kind of, it finds this very beautiful patient place. Uh, that's a quite a departure from down with disease and, um, is a great lead into, to seven below. So, um, that, I think that that was kind of the highlight of the whole run.
What is a city without its music? The legacy of the New York Philharmonic is incredible. Nearly two centuries of history. That's a lot of music and a lot of stories. I was sitting on stage for the very first time thinking, I can't quite believe this is happening. Join me, Jamie Bernstein, as we explore the history of the New York Philharmonic. It's the NY Phil story made in New York, a podcast about a city, its people, and their orchestra. Listen wherever you get podcasts. I agree that, um, so this, I, I complain about it now, you know, <laughs> complain in quotes, but down with diseases always, I see them, I see it always at the beginning of a second set, RG does too. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but this, to start 3.0, or, you know, the third show of 3.0 was just a wonderful, a wonderful, the horse sound in the morning. Um, I, I was surprised at, the variety, I guess, in the shows. Uh, and by night three, set two, they were still kind of bringing things out that um, were a little bit surprised. I didn't expect them to be where they were. So, um, you know, the music, again, was, wasn't was too deep. Uh, I think I agree, Matt, that the, the Down With Disease and the Seven Below was a highlight. But, um, yeah, uh, I, I, I don't go back enough. I, we don't give enough credence to these shows i think i think that's that's my major takeaway <laughs> jonathan what do you think well you know i, I want to go ahead and give all the credit to hampton coliseum as the perfect place for these shows to happen so our crew because a couple people it couldn't be there the first night or whatever it finally trickled in so we had a big group we were on mike's side this night looking straight across the front of the stage and and only really hampton is one of the few places where you can pull that off yeah. Uh, so points to that or what, you know, Matt's experience where they had just this huge, great big crew together. And that's one of the beauty of that place. So shout out to one of the best venues in the country. Um, Can I just say one thing real quick, Jonathan, which is on another Osiris podcast, Daily Soundcheck, um, Lawn Memo. He just this past, I think two days ago, did the um Hampton and Winston Salem 97 sound checks and he went into like a really cool and detailed just explanation of how they did the panels on the outside of the building and the history of the Hampton Coliseum and yeah I thought it was really cool to listen to so people should check that out if, if they haven't yet so it's Sorry. it's a wonderful ahead, magical ahead. building um yeah so uh that being said the music was real good I thought we had, we had a one micro jam or so with the the gin with the the major key peak jam as well to finish that out and uh, good songs though we had a great undermined uh, rock and maze the random George Jones cover and a pretty hot, hot but you know mm. compact version of free and then yeah full blown type two jamming with down with disease kind of gets out there for a little bit and lands into a a brisk but really nice seven below um or silent happens and then that uh also i gotta say the twist into 2001 is terrific the the things that page and trey are doing when you know it's very kind of spacey and weird when fish starts playing the 2001 drum beat they keep going with their weirdness for a moment and it's you that transition is really nice and uh it's yeah it's, this is just Great music. One of the visual memories I have, other than the the, the balloons or the balls that Matt's been talking about, <clears throat> is Paige coming out with his guitar, 
Yeah. Yes. This was was I this the first time? Put it in that my notes. Yeah. Yeah, that was the first yeah. time. Frankenstein so, with the guitar. Incredible. James man. Brown's and guitar. I was yeah. like, what are they doing? This isn't me. Yeah, yeah, that was awesome. That was awesome. So, <laughs> agree. Like the, like the Chris, are you doing the Chris Farley? <laughs> Remember when you when you came out with that guitar? That was awesome. <laughs> the I think the the other like big moment from this night that always sticks in my mind. I I mentioned when we were talking about night one about the um the roar and the crowd when they started Fluffhead being the loudest thing I, mm. I ever heard. I actually probably should correct myself because I actually think the loudest thing ever. All three nights, Trey didn't say anything to the crowd at all. They're completely silent. They came up, they played, they bowed, they left. They came up for the encore, and Trey just said, hey, thanks, everybody. And the place went off for, like, it was two or three minutes, I think, that it was just, like, this unbelievable rapture of sound. Um, And then they sang happy birthday to Fishman's dad, but, like, they Trey just had to keep stepping away from the mic. It was just, like, people were not going to let him talk, and it was, like, this huge exhale of the entire community after five years of being away following Coventry and everything that went down there, and then the stress about tickets and hotels and travel and getting in and getting seats and everything. To me, that was the moment it was like, all right, people, fish is, fish is on again. We're all doing this thing. Uh, and it was, it was really a celebration. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good point. That's a really yeah. awesome highlight. Um, well said. So this was 80, there were, uh, I guess, 87 um, songs played. Wow. Throughout this uh, three eighty, sorry, eighty five over three nights, which is you gotta just get it right, RJ. Come outrageous. on, man. Okay, People okay, expect take take, the take two, take two. Happy, hey guys, <laughs> in the studio. Can I to start that? Over? Okay, take two. Did you count Happy Birthday? I, I counted Happy Birthday three times, okay. just be, for good measure. <laughs> um, anyway, eighty five songs over three nights. It's that's insane. Um, that's all. Yeah, that was, I mean, the whole article I was talking about. That, yeah. That's the whole thing. That's all it was about. They played 85 songs. incredible. It's like and a really short article. <laughs> Did you know they played 85 songs? And the person was like, yep. <laughs> so. No, he was like, I, I thought it was 87. <laughs> Matt, do you have any um, takeaways going back to these shows? Just fond memories. Um, and when I was looking back through some pictures that I took from that run and thinking about it, um, I was, it was a cool time in my life. I was, I guess at that point, maybe like a year or so into dating my now wife. She was at the shows with me. I was with my, um, my best friend who became my best man at my wedding, who we had met through fish, but we'd never gotten to see fish together. And, um, a whole bunch of other friends that I had made, you know, through the scene since Coventry that we all got to see fish started seeing fish shows together. Um, but one thing that I was remembering was, uh, while we were waiting in that line to get in the first night, um, some people from, uh, mockingbird slash fishnet, um, were handing out stickers that it's in the style of like a hello, my name is sticker, but it's instead of that, it said since Coventry, I dot, 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 and you're supposed <laughs> to write it this. in. And I wrote on mine, uh, got my shit together and which was funny to me at the time. And I'm thinking back now on how 
cute it was that 26 year old me thought I actually had my shit together at that time and (laughs) how things changed since then. So it's kind of been cool, like (laughs) to think back about the last 10 years of my life and, you know, marriage and child and this podcast and my career and everything. It's like, we've had this opportunity to have fish back in our lives as we go through this journey. So it's, it's very, very, very fond memories to, to me. Jonathan. Oh man. You know, I'm going to echo one of the things that Matt said in particular, which is that I got to know so many people before these shows that I hadn't seen fish with. And I got to see fish with them finally at these shows. And I, you know, you laughed about their nicknames earlier, but I, I stayed with Pie Guy and Birdman for the New Year's shows. These guys are at all funny about it, the nickname Birdman. <laughs> hey, he came up with that one himself. Um, and these guys are great people, and you know we finally got to do this thing together, and we're we're still at it, and um, it, ten years later, and it's just been, you know, I've been seeing fish. I started seeing fish in '94, so I was, I. I was I needed to see them again. I was so glad to have that outlet in my life. I'd seen a lot of bands over the years and kept myself busy and uh, had kids and wives and whatever. But um, you know, I, it, it, not having fish, it's a, just another gap in my life. And they came back and closed that gap. And I saw a crap ton of fish shows in two thousand nine. Uh, kind of like what Matt said, you know, a little bit of little bit of uh what if this is it but you know that now they're they're here to do the thing and keep keep making fish music and it's it's wonderful to be where we are now and uh, i'm glad i was there 10 years ago yeah for sure i think it's interesting because we are we're used to as humans just like if you put a lot of energy and effort into things you expect to be rewarded for them sort of and i think a lot of people left coventry feeling like we hadn't we like we kind of got screwed as fans you know and and it wasn't i think people were concerned with trey and and everything else but like it, it was unresolved and i think a lot of us who had you know been listening to and going to shows for years and that was just like a very that was just a sad ending you know i didn't i didn't actually think fish was ever going to come back um i don't know why but I just assumed I, that they wouldn't. I didn't think they would either. I mean, after that, and then after seeing uh, a trace show a couple years later that I walked out of. Yeah, I think we were uh, walked out of the same one, but not we together. We did. We talked about this the other yeah. day. Um, we didn't know each other yet, but we yeah. had similar opinions, apparently. I hope and, I held um, the door for you on the way out. You might have. <laughs> uh, I was pretty pissed, and I might would have otherwise slammed it. Um, no, I'm kidding. I wasn't that pissed. I was disappointed and I was sad. And I, I really honestly did not believe that we would see fish again because I I was concerned we wouldn't have a guitar player for the band, uh, for a long time. And, um, so yeah, yeah, but we do. It's so cool that we get to reflect (laughs) on this, like 10 years of being back as we're kind of having a little, (laughs) we're throwing ourselves our own party for our, our centennial. Fuck so yes, we are. it's cool because if this was our 150th and we were just talking about like a random show, it might not have felt as as important. So it's cool that these overlapped, um, man. But it, but now that we're you know fans, I think feel like you get you get out of 
fish and, and music and, and lots of other things, what you put into them, you know, and, and we keep going and we keep buying tickets and we keep trying to get through Ticketmaster and we keep, you know, spending lots of money and time and it's always, it's always worthwhile. That's just like going back to these shows, you, you know, took a lot of time and effort to figure out how to get to these shows and it was like not the most musically rewarding three nights but like for all the reasons you guys mentioned it was just man so memorable and so awesome so happy to be there so it was great and brad and i got to hang out which was fun in the third third the third worst hotel (laughs) (laughs) sorry that's right um you gotta rank them i mean you don't you guys don't have those in your head i got no but the the hell's kitchen one thank you for reminding me because that's that's at the top um yeah cool so guys, what else before we uh, before we let everyone on with their their Wednesdays or Thursdays if they're listening a day later, Friday, two days later, etc. Cetera. <laughs> et cetera. <laughs> Anything? I guess not much, man. Thanks, thanks for um, this is uh, back to the hundred and fiftieth. Zarjay's brainchild. Look at him. He's like he's like the grand grand poobah wizard. <laughs> definitely feel like a wizard for sure (laughs) yeah this is man awesome project and yeah i think that we said at the beginning it's the it's the feedback and the comments and the introductions and all that stuff that keeps us going and also reminds us that we're doing this for the community and not just so we can all you know stare at each other on on the screen while we talk about fish but and it is a lot of it's a lot of work it's a lot of time it's a lot of effort but i think we're all you know happy to do it because we have fun but also other people have fun so um keep sending us thoughts and feedback and questions and if you haven't yet give us a review on apple podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts and yeah we're going to be back soon with with more of this more of this fish discussion do you guys uh do you guys agree should we keep doing it (laughs) why not we gotta get we gotta get to like 200 right (laughs) i say we stop at 199 (laughs) <laughs> just just to fuck with Brad. Do it. Do it. You know, I, uh, I, I, I think I mentioned this once before, but in January of 2016, my, I was going off on some sort of um, crazy crackpot theory of uh, telling my wife about something related to fish. And uh, she said to me in a really nice way, you know, like maybe you should find some sort of outlet for this energy that you have for the band. Like maybe, fucking like maybe create something or like give something back to the community or something, which like, I think reading between the lines, she was like, even though she's a fan, she was like, just stop, stop it, please. Just stop um, talking to me about it. And find like someone else. two weeks, two weeks later, we went to Mexico and I came on the show as a guest and recapped. And then like a month later, RJ and I met and then we did the tweezer thing. And here we are a few years later. And so uh, I think that all kind of worked out uh, conveniently. I have an outlet to talk about this stuff. And I met you guys and I've met a lot of really cool people. So I don't know. Yes. I say let's do another 150, man. Let's do it. Holler. Let's do it. Um, we've been, man, it's been so Do we fun. have to do them tonight? Because I'm, I'm tired. <laughs> yes, right now. <laughs> right okay, now. To to We're going to do it tonight. We're going to do we it put it in a new cassette. All right, guys and girls. Thank you all for listening. Thanks for your support. We're going to see you in a couple of weeks. We hope that you enjoyed this. And uh, please, please, please keep on rocking.
up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Bowie, Dylan, Marley, you've heard the names and maybe you've heard their songs, but what about the stories behind the records that make titans of music like these so universally loved and important? Join me, Josh Adam Myers, host of The 500, as each week I go through a different album from Rolling Stone Magazine's 500 Greatest Albums list from 2012 with an incredible lineup of comedians, actors, and musicians talking about how the music has impacted their lives. New episodes of The 500 come out every Wednesday. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts.